Amen. All right, hey, have your, as you're having a seat, let's give it up for this band from Meredith Kirk. Oh. All right, well, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see you guys at the second ever 11 o'clock service at the Timber Grove campus. How, uh, how we doing? All right, uh, that's it. That's all we got. It's 11 o'clock. Like, yeah, 9.45 was really rambunctious. You guys are, that's fine. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are, are here today. If we haven't met yet or if this is your first time here, thank you for coming. Welcome. My name's Kale. I'm the campus pastor of our Timber Grove campus, of this campus. And if you're not familiar with what, what we're doing for, for the first three weeks in January, so last week, this week, and next week, we are all gathering here at the Timber Grove campus as we prepare for the grand opening of our museum district campus. On January 23rd, we will be back to being one church in two locations. So we'll have museum district and we'll have Timber Grove and we'll continue on into 2022. It's, a, it's exciting what God's, uh, what God's up to. And, and I'm excited to step into it. So I'm also excited to, to continue this series that we're in. And it's a series that Pastor Eric started last week. And it's a series titled, This Is Your Year. This is your year. Now, now believe it or not, you've probably said something along these lines before, that, that this is my year. This is my year to do something. This is my year to, to get that promotion. Or this is my year to to meet that special someone, or this is my year to, to grow our family, or this is my year to retire or finish school, or you've said some iteration of that phrase before, this is my year. And so what we're trying to communicate with this series in particular, it's that you have the power and the authority to claim that this can be your year. By the power of the Spirit, you can claim that this can be your year. Maybe not with those external things, but, but with internal things. That this can be your year to grow, to change to overcome, to pursue, maybe to, to strengthen your relationship with God stronger than, than it's ever been before. That this could, can be your year to take the next step into what God is inviting you into. So that's what we're going to talk about today, that, that this can be your year to take that next step. Now that sentence, it has a little bit more meaning to me this week because some of you know, we've, we've got two little ones at home. We have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Becca, and we have an 11-month-old uh, son. His name's Drew, and Drew took his very first steps this week. It is the cutest thing in the world, and so if, you, if you've ever been a, a parent of a child that started walking or if you've ever witnessed a kid walking, you know it's really exciting, but it's also really terrifying for the parents because now, like, my kid can get into a, a million different things. He has a million more ways to hurt himself. So you have to kind of spend extra attention and focus on him. We have to maybe hold his hand as he, as he steps forward. We have to support him. We have to, to really like re-baby-proof the whole house. We put up the baby gate, like we're, we're good to go. But, but you have to spend your focus on him or, or, or your attention on him. And, and what my wife and I, we found the best way to encourage our kids to walk, it's, it's to give them something to walk towards to give them something to focus on for, for where their next steps will be. And so my son, he got this light-up Christmas toy for Christmas that he loves. And so when he was ready to take those first steps, like my wife, she got the toy, and she put it in front of him, and we actually have video of the very first steps that my son took this week. Let's go! <laughs> you could... You could hear, like, me in the background, like, uh, an enthusiastic, uh, 
excited dad. I'm so proud of my son. But if you notice two things, first is you notice that he's still wearing his Christmas outfits. That's fine. But the second thing, if you noticed, is that he was focused on that toy. He was focused on it. And where his focus is, that will determine where his next steps go. That his focus determines the direction of his next steps. And we know that to be true, not just with kids and their first steps, but we know that to be true in our lives. Right? That where our focus is, that's where our, our steps will be. You've, you've, no, you've noticed this, that, that where your focus is, that's where your energy or your attention or your time or your resources, your devotion, your desire, like that's where it will be towards. Let's say that, that you're solely focused on work this year. Your first steps, it will be towards the office or towards a client. If, if your focus, if it's, if it's solely on losing that 20 pounds, then it's going to be, your first step will be to the gym or to Whole Foods or, or to something like that. Like your steps will be towards where your, where your focus is. So the question, that's a really good question to ask at the beginning of the year, 2022, where's your focus? What, what are you focused on? It's a good question to ask. And, and when it comes to taking the next step in our faith, there's there's no better place to turn our focus, to turn our attention to, than Scripture. In Scripture, it always focuses on Jesus. Always. Cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation, the Bible, it's about Jesus. And so the passage that we're going to be in today, it's, it's going through, it's taking us step by step into Jesus' first steps that he takes as an adult. Jesus' first steps that he takes into his public ministry, it's towards his baptism. The very first steps. That he takes. And so we'll be in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And if you were here last week, you know Pastor Eric encouraged us to bring our Bibles with us to church. So if you forgot yours, that's fine. You can look at a neighbor. That's fine. They get the gold star. Um, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3. The text will be on the screen behind me. But Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. What we're going to do is we're going to look at these five verses step by step. We're going to go verse by verse and see what God has for us. He's he has something significant in each verse, in each step that he takes. So this is going to be Matthew, again, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus, he, he came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now what's happening here, Jesus, he's about 30 years old when he makes the trek from Galilee to the Jordan River to go see his older cousin, John the Baptist. And so it was an 80-mile trek from where Jesus was living to the Jordan River, and, and he goes to his older cousin, who John's about six months older than Jesus. And, and that relationship, the relationship between John the Baptist and, and Jesus, it fascinates me. It fascinates me. They were close, close in age. They were, they were close relatives, but their upbringings could not have been more different. What we know from, from the Christmas story is that Jesus, he was born to two teenage parents who were not expecting to give birth, who were not prepared who didn't have the resources to really welcome a child into the world. And John had a completely different upbringing. John's parents were, were at the, the later stages in their life. They were in their late 80s when they had John, when they became pregnant, when, when the birth of, of John the Baptist had. And so, and so John's dad, he was a priest. His name was Zechariah, who's a priest. And, and his mom was named Elizabeth, and she was the, in the lineage of this royal priesthood of Aaron, who is Moses' brother. 
So they were this well-to-do family. They were like this, uh, this pretty royal family in their town. And so there was this real anxious anticipation. There's this real expectation of what John was going to be. He was this miracle baby. They knew there was an, a prophetic nature to what John the Baptist was going to accomplish. And so the whole town, they, they had this expectation that John was going to follow his dad's footsteps into the priesthood. But not only that, that he was going to become like the priest of priests. He was going to prepare the way that he was going to be like the person that revitalized their town, revitalized their temples, that revitalized their schools, their housing. Like something special was, uh, was taking place with John the Baptist. So you can imagine that John the Baptist, he, he gave the priesthood a shot, followed his dad into, into his line of work, that, that he, he started to, to, to dive into the inner workings of the temple. And what happened was John, he... He was committed to the truth. And so John saw that the religious leaders at the time, they were imposing their religion, their rules, their laws, their beliefs, their traditions on top of what the Bible was saying. So John the Baptist had some real tension with the religious leaders. And so you can imagine it was probably with his dad as well. There's tension in his family. So what happened is John either got kicked out of the priesthood or he left and he went into the wilderness and, and what we need to know about, about John specifically is that John left a comfortable life. He left a comfortable upbringing. And he took steps into the, the discomfort of the wilderness. He stepped into what God was calling him into, away from his comfort zone and into the wilderness. And specifically what God was calling him into was this, this fringe practice called baptism. Now, baptism at that time, it's not what we think of baptism. It's not a, it wasn't a normalized practice. It was more of a, a fringe practice. And so baptism, it was reserved for, for non-Jewish people, for Gentiles, for proselytes who wanted to become Jewish. So only non-Jewish Gentile people, they would become Jewish by being baptized and by circumcision. So you can imagine not many people wanted, wanted to do that. And, and, the, and the Jewish faith or tradition believed that they didn't need to be baptized because they were already washed clean by their lineage to Abraham. So they didn't need baptism to, to be washed clean because they were sons of Abraham. And so you can imagine that this was a really big deal when people started flooding into the Jordan River to be baptized by John, Jews and Gentiles alike. And at this time, Jews and Gentiles, they weren't even supposed to associate together. They weren't supposed to talk or eat or let alone be baptized together. And John's just baptizing anyone and everyone into the Jordan River. It's this beautiful kind of chaotic scene. And then we see the, the scene of the religious leaders who their people from their temples in their city have now traced the steps that John did away from their temple, away from their cities, and towards the wilderness, towards his baptism. And his baptism was free. That baptism didn't cost any money. And so they were taking their, their money with them. And so the religious leaders, they got pretty, pretty angry. And so they followed those steps too. So you, we get this scene of the religious leaders, Jews, Gentiles, John's just baptizing them. It's this kind of chaotic, confusing scene, but a beautiful scene. And then out of the corner of his eye, John the Baptist sees little cousin, Jesus of Nazareth, coming towards him to be baptized by him. And John knows who Jesus is at this point. He knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is God himself in the flesh. And so this is what John says to Jesus. He asks him just this really significant question. This is verse 14. 
But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? It's a good question. John's saying, what are, what are you doing here, Jesus? Like, this is it's for sinners. Sin for you. Why, why have you come to me to be baptized? And, and this kind of like, it, it, it gives me the image that it's one of the, the themes in Scripture that I just love. It's that it's not about us going to God. It's about God coming to us. It's God taking his steps, coming towards us. So John has the same question that I would have. Like, hey, Jesus, why are you getting baptized? The Son of God, one of the core tenets of the Christian faith is that Jesus is the Son of God, sinless. In him, he knew no sin. So why does Jesus need to be baptized? It's a good question. And, and Jesus, thankfully, he answers it for us. And in his very first words that we're about to see in the next verse in the Gospel of Matthew, it's the first words that we hear Jesus speak, and even his last words, that we hear Jesus speak in the Gospel of Matthew. And the last words are, are Jesus, it's him commissioning his disciples. So it's after Jesus' resurrection, he's been walking around, eating, drinking, teaching with his disciples. And he has a, he's gone to the mountaintop, and right before he ascends into heaven, he looks his disciples in the eyes, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you. Jesus, he's saying that baptism is a central step in obediently following him. It's central. And Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but, but what Jesus is doing here, he's showing us how we can submit, how we can follow, how we can be obedient to the Father's will. He's showing us that no matter where the steps take us, no matter where God leads us, we can obediently follow the will of the Father. And so that's what we, we see Jesus say next. And this is what Jesus replied when, when John the Baptist asked this question. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Jesus says, right here, that he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. It's a pretty weighty answer, <laughs> to fulfill all righteousness. Like, that's, that's pretty heavy. What does that mean? And something really important is happening here. It's that Jesus is, is teaching us how to submit to the will of the Father, specifically through repentance. John's baptism, it was a baptism of repentance. And so Jesus is showing us how we can step into the waters of repentance. And repentance in, in today's world, today's culture, like repentance kind of has this negative connotation, right? We, we get this image of, of a guy who's in a, in a big crowd, kind of got an unkept beard. He's got a microphone and a, and a cardboard sign. And he's saying, hey, repent or, or you're going to hell or repent, the time is near, and he's screaming, he's threatening, he's yelling at everybody. It's kind of what, what image evokes when we hear the word repentance. But repentance, biblically speaking, it's a gift. It's not a threat. It's a gift. The Apostle Paul, in, in Romans chapter 2, he says, don't you know that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance? That God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Repentance is not something to be feared. It's something to cherish. 
It's a, it's a gift to step into, repentance. It's an urgent invitation to refocus, to reorient our lives, to love, to know, and to obey Jesus. That's what it is. It's not simply to change our minds. It's, it's to have a radical refocus of our lives. And that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. In fact, it's actually admitting that we're not perfect. And it's looking to him. It's looking to his kindness and his grace and his truth to draw us in, to take steps towards who he is. It's, it's when we understand the depth of his kindness, of his grace, of his mercy, it will lead us deeper into the waters of repentance. It'll lead us deeper into it. And, and so what does wholehearted repentance look like? What, what does it look like? And, and it looks like, looks like a road. So there's a road, and sin is this way, and God is this way. And if we're walking away from God, and we're walking this way, repentance is not simply just stopping and saying you're sorry. It's not what repentance is. Repentance is stopping, it's turning around, and it's focusing on the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness of God and letting that draw you in. It's not taking a step towards him to, to prove your faithfulness. It's, it's being drawn by his, by his grace, by his mercy, by stumbling our way to him. It's not just turning away from something, it's turning towards something and moving towards it. That's what, that's what biblical repentance it's what it is. And we've been given this urgent invitation. It's an urgent invitation to repent, to refocus, to reorient our lives around Jesus, around his grace, his mercy, and his truth. It's urgent. And, and the Bible poses this question about repentance and about baptism too. It, it poses the question, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And the apostle Paul in in the book of Acts, 22, 16, you don't have to turn there. Apostle Paul says this, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Why wait? Get up, go, be baptized. Take that next step. And... And look, I hear the rebuttal to this all the time. In conversations that I have with people, I hear, I hear, the, I hear the excuses. And, and I get it. Look, look, I get it. But what I hear is, hey, Kale, all right, I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready. But you have no idea how busy my life is right now. Like, you have no idea how many things I have going on in my life. Once my life slows down, then I can take the next step in my faith. Once my life slows down, and the thing is, I hear that through every single life stage. Every single one. I, I always hear, once my life slows down, every life stage is, is busy. I hear, hey, once I finish school, then I'll be able to take that step. Or hey, once I get married, then I'll be able to take that step. Or hey, once I, I get settled in my house, or once I live in that neighborhood, or, or once we have kids, or, or once our kids get potty trained, or start walking, or, or once our kids go to school. Or hey, once our kids start, start driving, or once our kids 
leave the house and go to college, or once I get my mind wrapped around my retirement plan, or once my grandbabies are settled, or, or once, and in every single life stage, there's something else. And what we're saying, if I'm honest, what we're saying is that once we're dead, then we'll have time for God. So once we die, then we'll have time to take that next step for God. And there, there's such urgency here. There's urgency here. Because before we know it, we're going to wake up and it's 20 years later and we've never taken that next step. 20 years have gone by. And we've had excuse after excuse. And there are a million reasons. There are a million excuses not to take that next step. And there is no better time than now. The beginning of the year. 2022, to take that next step. There's no better time to radically refocus your life around God. So then we, we see what, uh, what Jesus steps into or how he steps into baptism. And this is verses 16 and 17. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This was a commissioning from God. That God the Father was commissioning God the Son through the power of God the Spirit to fulfill all righteousness. This was the mark of a, of a new beginning of his life. It was, a, it was a mark of a new beginning of ours. It was, it was his first steps towards his public ministry, his first steps that led to his last steps to the cross for the forgiveness of sin, for your sin and for mine. When we think about a next step, when we think about baptism, we don't look inward. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about his faithfulness. I remember I was, uh, I was baptized 23 years ago. 23 years ago, I was just a little baby, an infant. I'm just kidding. I wasn't. <laughs> Y'all were like, wait, man, that bald spot. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I was 12. I was 12. You can do some quick math. Uh, and, uh, and I grew up right outside of, of Houston in a suburb called Kingwood, Texas. And I grew up in a mega Southern Baptist church, a church that I loved, a church that I formed friends and faith. And, and being a, a good Baptist kid, you know, I got baptized when I was 12 and maybe even earlier than that. But what happens, so my Sunday school teacher, she came in to Sunday school one day and she said, all right, hey, how would you guys like to be baptized? And we were like, all right, awesome, like, let's go. Um, we're excited. So we, we did the class. Baptism Sunday was coming up. I'm pretty excited. My whole family is going to be there. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a lot for this moment. On, honestly, I'm, I'm expecting it to be kind of like Jesus's. Like, I'm expecting the heavens to open up. God's going to audibly talk. Like, he's going to commission me out. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. So I remember, so I get in line that Sunday, and there's like 112 of us kids. It was a pretty big church. Uh, and the, the pastor's just like dunking kids. Like, it's like a dunk and go. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, like, just come on, come on. We only got like 30 minutes. Uh, and, 
And so I remember I, I emerged from, from the waters of baptism, and I, I kind of look around, and I get my towel on. I go have a seat with my, my folks. We go to lunch. Nothing happened. It wasn't like this magical moment that I thought it was going to be. It wasn't this, this transformative experience that I thought it was going to be. Honestly, it was just another Sunday. And I remember I, I look back on that. And I remember how I viewed baptism. I viewed it as a, as a requirement. I viewed it as a, as a mandatory next step that I had to take. It was just another box to check for me to earn God's grace. For me to earn, for me to be that perfect Christian. That's what I, that's what I thought. And that's the way that I viewed God for a long time. It's the way I lived my life for a long time. And I would take steps forward and I'd fall down and I'd get upset. And that, that view of God, it didn't lead me to repentance. It led me to resentment. God, I resented God. God, how could you not let me be this perfect Christian? Like, why do I keep stumbling? Why do I keep falling? And what that did, of my own doing, it, it caused me to just turn and run as far away from God as I could. I ran away from God for a long time. Longer than, than I care to admit. And I was just as exhausted I was just as tired, and I was at the brink of losing my faith. It's at the brink of destruction, and God, in his kindness, God picked me up, and he, he turned me around, and, and he refocused my life on him, on his mercy, on his kindness, on his faithfulness, not on my own. And he drew me in. And I've been, I've been stumbling my way to him ever since. Stumbling. And when I look back on that moment of my baptism, I can, I can so clearly see God in that moment. So clearly. That God was there. He was helping me, supporting me, guiding me, leading me, being with me, strengthening my steps in order to follow him. God was, was in that moment. There wasn't anything lacking in that baptism. There was some real power that God had for me. And looking back on that, remembering that, it's allowed me to, to move forward because the purpose of remembrance, it's not just to look back, but it's to look back in order to propel ourselves forward, in order to move forward, to strengthen our steps forward and baptism and, and taking the next steps in our faith it's it's not about our faithfulness it's not about what we can do it's not even about our first steps towards him it's about realizing that his first steps are always towards us and it's our first steps with him with him towards the one who's the only one who is worthy of our focus the only one who's worthy of our faith, of our attention, of our energy, of our resources. To the one who was baptized, who did not need to be baptized. 
but he was baptized for you. The one that didn't need to die, but died on a cross for the forgiveness of sin for you. The one that has this urgent invitation for you. Says, you are my child whom I love, whom I am well pleased. That urgent invitation, it's for you. It's for you. And I don't know what what the next step is for you. But I know where your focus needs to be. I don't know whether your next step, it's, it's to take the step into into firmly saying that you're a Christian and to, and to step into baptism. Maybe God's leading you there. Maybe God's leading you to, to remember your baptism, to radically refocus your life on him. There's no better time than now to remember the power that was in that baptism. Or maybe just to spend more time in his presence, to pray more, to ask God to increase your faith, to strengthen your steps. And maybe that's your millionth step with him. But God's still inviting you. That's still an urgent invitation. And the question is, why wait? What are you waiting for? There's no better time than now to get up and go, to refocus on God, to take that next steps towards him with him. By his grace, he can lead us there with him today. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you are a God of kindness that leads us to you, that draws us in. God, get it in our bones this morning. The depth of your grace, the depth of your kindness, the depth of your love, the depth of your truth. God, let us draw near to that as you have drawn near to us. God, I don't know what what the next steps are for for these men and women. But God, I, I pray that you strengthen them. That by the power of your spirit, you give them the courage and the strength to take it with you. Not out of their faithfulness to you, but out of yours to us. The one the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one that is the only one that's worthy of our attention and our adoration and our worship. You, God, alone. Strengthen us, God. Give us courage. Give us faith to take that first step, that first step back or that million step with you. God, you're a God of of new beginnings, of a new year, of a new creation. We are thankful for that. We're thankful for your gift, for your urgent invitation. It's in Jesus' name.